land use planning one, a uh, TULA certificate course, and this is podcast number two. And my name is Brian. I'm sitting here chatting with Bruce. Uh, we're going to have a conversation today about public consultation. And let's get right to it, Bruce. What is the purpose of public consultation? Yeah, so public consultation has a number of different purposes. One is to keep people informed at all stages of the environmental assessment, what's going on, and to understand the project from the perspective of the community. So it's a two-way flow of information. It's also an opportunity for the community and key stakeholders to take part in project planning and to offer ideas and information and suggestions on the project, maybe on mitigation of effects or potential effects, and to influence the study recommendations. And finally, it keeps the public informed of the final decisions, which may affect their lives, families, and communities. Um, one thing is that it should cover all phases of the project and all phases of the planning, including the choice of site, the location for the project, any surveying at the front end, site preparation, which is often the most damaging part of the project, construction, operation, and importantly, right through to the decommissioning and abandonment of the site. I, I, I was intrigued to hear you say just a few seconds ago that it's a two-way flow of information. So it's safe to say then that it's not simply a case of the proponent or the developer showing up and telling the community what's going to happen. Really it's, it's more of a conversation like, like we're having where the community will provide feedback and the proponent will take that stuff on board. Is that safe to say? That's right. Good public involvement, good uh, public consultation should be a two-way street so that the proponent, that is the developer, can inform the community about the project itself and the project site from its studies and that the community can tell the proponent about their concerns. They may see things uh, as uh, adverse impacts that the proponent may not see because they're not as familiar with the area. And I know towards the end of this podcast we're going to talk about two or three examples of, of both the good and the bad uh, uh, in public consultation which illustrates the need for this two-way flow. At this point then, uh, though, let's, let's talk a little bit about who should be involved in, in the consultation. Let, let's uh, assume it's a project occurring on First Nations lands. Uh, who should be involved in, uh, if that's the case? Well, clearly the community should be involved, and that would include all sectors of the, of the community. So that would be the, um, the citizens of the community, but also those engaged in traditional activities like hunting, and trapping and fishing and collecting uh, berries or other fruit from the from the land. They should all be consulted and involved in, in the assessment and different age groups should be consulted because oftentimes the uh, elders may have a certain view of, of the, the world and, and a good uh, knowledge of the history and the young people May, uh, may see different things. They may have different uh, hopes and dreams. Uh, interesting you should mention that. Years ago I was involved uh, assisting a First Nation in central Yukon and one of the preliminary meetings was about 
bridging that divide. Uh, certainly the elders in the community had, had one view and the younger people in the community had a, quite a different view. Uh, so an, an interesting uh, observation. What about uh, people off-reserve, outside the community? Uh, will they have different values and concerns? Yes, definitely. There may be companies that operate on the land and they may have uh, concerns or things to offer. For example, uh, access roads often come up as, uh, as an issue in assessments and opportunities for, for example, reducing the number of watercourse crossings by getting uh, communities and companies or companies together can reduce the impact on the watercourse. And there will be people who have a particular interest in the environment, so that might include uh, wildlife groups or uh, experts from uh, government or academia who uh, have studied a particular species for many years and uh, may provide some uh, useful information to the, to the assessment. I've come across an acronym uh, in terms of these groups, uh, NGOs. What does NGO mean? NGO means non-government organization. Uh, there are different types of NGOs, so often we refer to those organizations that are uh, concerned about the environment as environmental NGOs. So that, that really captures who should be involved, uh, focusing on the community, but also focusing on some groups and individuals and businesses outside the community. Uh, when though, in terms of time, when should such consultation be done? Consultation should be done well, in fact, as, uh, as early as possible in the project planning process. And certainly before the, any work on the project is actually begun. And the reason for that is that there are opportunities because the community will know the needs of the community and uh, almost certainly the land better than the proponent. And the community therefore may be able to input ideas and things that would not otherwise be, be thought of or input their concerns early so that something like a pipeline, for example, we can avoid certain uh, features of the environment, like let's say a berry picking place or an important uh, burial ground or wildlife uh, habitat, sometimes can be avoided just by good planning, like designing the project to avoid it. In, in podcast one, I think 1B, we talked a lot about effects or impacts, and, and they were very different, and some were biophysical, and some were sociocultural, some were immediate, some were long term. Uh, given the different uh, effects, is it safe to say that there are also different approaches to consultation and involvement? Yeah, there are many. And they might include, for example, a, uh, a news release from the proponent or uh, a public meeting involving the community, uh, a survey and questionnaire, uh, or a public workshop. Are there strengths and weaknesses to, the, to these various uh, approaches? Uh, in your experience, which is extensive across Western Canada, indeed in other parts of the world, are there some you would recommend over others? Yeah, there are. Uh, I'll go through them, but uh, suffice to say that I've, I've seen more projects uh, and assessments fail or fail to gain trust in the community because either they're not done in the right way, 
or they're done too late, coming in at the last minute, and there the trust of the community is, is potentially lost. So I'll mention a few that uh, I've seen in the past and some of their strengths and weaknesses, uh, in my opinion. So one of them is to have an advisory committee. So the community will uh, perhaps choose four, five, six people who represent the community to work with the proponent to identify the issues that are important to the community right up, right up front. And uh, sometimes the advisory committee might go out to see the site and uh, become familiar with the actual detailed uh, site features. So this, if I can just stop you there, it's important, I think, to, uh, to emphasize that the advisory committee has a real role, doesn't it? It's not just lip service, that uh, the feedback from the advisory committee has to be taken on board? That's right. So a feature of good consultation is that the uh, proponent hears the community and the community expresses its concerns to the proponent. It's also necessary for the proponent to consider the concerns of the communities. But even that is not enough. The proponent must address the, cons uh, the concerns of the community. And by addressing is, uh, I mean, I've seen cases where the proponent writes back and says, well, we can't do this because it's not, it's not feasible for some reason, and the discussion starts there. If there's an advisory committee, then it's, it's, a, it's more of a formal, long-term arrangement and it gives a chance to achieve consensus on complex issues. You mentioned a couple of other approaches. One was a public meeting. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that, what that means? Yeah, a public meeting is, is sort of like the, the conventional way of doing things. It's always been done in the past. So the proponent sends out uh, an invitation, uh, maybe for the, the band council, through to the community to attend a public meeting on a particular day, usually in the evening. So it's, uh, it's quite formal. There are presentations by the proponent and their consultants and experts. And uh, that's all done in, in, in one evening, perhaps. So it's an efficient way of the proponent conveying information to the community. And the proponent often gets instant feedback. Sometimes it's, it's, it's quite energetic. <laughs> and uh, it's good because public views are presented all at once. But I've seen a lot of them fail. And the reason for that is that they often degenerate just into people arguing with each other without progressing on the actual issue. And I've also seen cases where the views may not be representative because some people are at ease and very passionate about what they do uh, in the meeting and they may be very prominent in the meeting and speak very very loudly and very convincingly while other people are maybe not used to speaking in public and uh, are you know shyer of the of the uh, the whole idea of public speaking and as a result when the uh, results of the meeting are announced it may be biased toward one particular group, mm -hmm. whether they be industry or NGO or community. 
we, we often hear the expression, the, uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and that's often true in public meetings. Let's conclude this discussion on uh, various approaches to public involvement and consultation with, uh, with a few words on surveys and questionnaires. I, I take it by surveys, you don't mean land surveys, you're not talking about parcels and boundaries, you're talking about canvassing people? That's right. When the proponent sends out a uh, formal questionnaire and uh, a summary of the project, it's an opportunity for the community to represent their views back to the proponent. And there's an opportunity to analyze the information and you can reach a large audience as well. But the problem with this is that it's uh, really a one-way, becomes a one-way information ex uh, exchange. And it may be quite demanding to prepare and respond to it. Excellent. I think we're, we're going to conclude this, uh, this podcast with two or three real-life examples. And I have a couple, if, if I might jump in here. But you know, feel free at any time, Bruce, to uh, interrupt me. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to start off with, with a negative one and then conclude with a positive one. You'll, you'll all realize, you'll all know that the Trans Mountain Pipeline has been in the news quite a bit lately, and it's involved various levels of court, many, many First Nations across uh, British Columbia, and some across Alberta, because it's, it's a pipeline that essentially runs from Edmonton southwest uh, to, to Vancouver, to the coast, um, and the National Energy Board. And the proponent was was severely criticized by all parties, including the court, initially for very poor public consultation on a couple of issues. One had to do with the uh, refusal to listen to a First Nation on uh, Burrard Inlet, which was very, very concerned about the effects on the marine ecosystem. And the second was the uh, proponent's refusal to consult with and listen to the views of a, a First Nation in, in central BC, which was quite concerned that the pipeline was going to run either through or over an aquifer that was very, very important to the community. And so this forced the uh, proponent, forced the pipeline company essentially back to, the, back to the drawing board and to engage in meaningful consultation, uh, which requires flexibility and compromise and actually listening to the concerns of the community. So in the end, it's a, it's a, it's a good news story. But during the process, it, it showed a, a failure to properly, properly consult with the communities. And let's conclude with a, a, a very uh, close, close at hand and, and good news example. And it's the, it's the certificate we're talking about now, or it's the course that's, that's part of the certificate, Certificate in First Nations Applied Land Management. It was first proposed about five years ago by Natural Resources Canada within the federal government, and an extensive uh, process of consultation took place with uh, individual in Indigenous people, with First Nation communities, with post-secondary uh, institutions, and with various uh, Indigenous groups such as NALMA and, uh, and the Tulo Centre and the First Nations uh, Tax Commission. And the result was uh, changes and tweaks to the curriculum, to, to the content, and even how it was delivered such that it was a product that met the needs of First Nations in, in general and uh, First uh, Indigenous individuals in particular. Could I just break in here? With, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about the uh, different approaches of public cons consultation, 
it should be said that the, 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 a lot of different approaches can be used at once. So I talked about an advisory committee and a news release, but there are other ways to achieve good public consultation. And one of the ones I'm very much in favor of is the open house. So uh, in the open house, a time will be set aside and the proponent and their experts and the public will all have a time to meet informally so that the uh, community can learn about the technical aspects if they want of the project and the proponent can learn about the, directly about the concerns of the, uh, of the community. So there's more than just one uh, way that we can have public consultation and oftentimes I think the best ones I've seen are the ones where they combine different approaches together. So different, uh, different ways of consulting with listening to, uh, to the public really uh, as, a, as a function of the sort of project that's being proposed. That's right. Well, let's conclude podcast two there and stay tuned for podcast three.